All righty. Well, good morning. My name is Seth, and I just want to extend my welcome to you guys here at Salem. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I'd love to, um, and so we can kind of connect after the service. Um, you know, one of these things about uh, living, um, or just even like being up here and seeing this group of people, uh, both young and old, and this idea of like being sent, there's a, there's a ton of purpose in the idea of being sent, isn't there? I mean, when you think about Jesus, um, you know, who left his heavenly space with his, with his heavenly father and puts on flesh and comes to earth, there's this the scent mindset, um, and uh, there's a lot for us to, to really learn from that. Um, but in order to be sent, you need this, this a ton amount of clarity, don't you? And I find that in life, um, and maybe it's just me, but probably for many of us, is that we find that in the midst of our daily struggles and battles, we find a lot of unclarity, uh, and we, we wonder, gosh, what decision do I make? Uh, should I go to this college, or should I go to that college? Should I go to Chipotle or Kidoba? Chipotle, obviously, uh, right? Um, and there's all these questions that were faced on, on any uh, given day. Uh, and it makes me think um, about this time, and if I've shared the story um, and you remember, then I apologize. If I've told the story and you don't remember, then it's great. Um, but I remember this moment in, in uh, college where I was coming out of my sophomore year and I was living in Colorado. I was doing a summer training program with the Navigators. And, uh, and it was, a, it was a, a big time of uncertainty in my life. Um, I had changed my majors, I think, five times already um, in my first two years. And so I'm thinking, gosh, like, God, what do you want me to do? Um, I started in horticulture and, like, ended in, in art education. I mean, I was, like, all over the board, you know? Like, what do I do? Where do I go? And what's your plan for me and my life? And, and uh, so I went, and I was here for the summer. Uh, and in the midst of that, I met this girl named Bree. Uh, and I thought, man, Bree is pretty cool. God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to pursue this girl? You know, should I ask her out? You know, and it's, just, it's just a massive amount of, of, of uncertainty in my life. And there's this moment um, where we went, uh, we decided as a group to all go uh, cliff jumping, um, which ended up being horrifically higher than I anticipated. Um, I don't like heights, and it was a cliff about 75 feet uh, into the water. And, uh, and so one by one, I'm watching people just jump freely as if there's no care in the world, you know? Like, here's my life, woo, you know? And, and here's me back, and I'm just kind of like standing there timid and going, man, I don't know if I can do this. And then Bree, comes up from behind me, and she goes, I don't know if I can do this, Seth. And I kid you not, something clicked inside of me. It's like I shifted from Seth to Superman, and, and I said, Bree, it's easy. All you have to do is run and jump. And I ran towards the cliff, and I jumped. And if, do you, do you remember, how many of you guys watched cartoons when you were growing up? You remember Wile E. Coyote, you know? It's like we know that physics doesn't work this way. Like you can't literally stop in midair. And yet, like there's this mental moment, uh, an emotional moment where like life just like everything starts flooding through my brain as I'm looking into the sky and there's nothing underneath of me. There's no rope. There's, you know, there's nothing. And I thought, man, what led me to this point? You know, like, like all of the data that's coming at me, like at no point did I ever consider the question, is this wise? 
you know? And it was, and it was, I mean, I had, you know, I mean, it was great. It turned out fine, but I mean, it was terrifying. But in the midst of that, as you're falling, you're like, do I even like this girl? I don't know. Like, it doesn't matter anymore, you know? Like, you're just like, you're just falling and you're just trying to preserve life. Um, and so I remember this, but, but it was literally like, I gosh, I never thought to myself, is this wise? Is this a wise thing for me to do? So today, and I, this is for service, I didn't even tend to do this. We're going to dive into, you know, bum bum, or jump into the book of Proverbs. And uh, the Proverbs is full of rich, rich, rich wisdom. It's filled for practical living, right? And this is something that we desperately need, is how do we navigate through life when there's no simple answers, Right? And that's kind of what Proverbs is ultimately uh, about. And so it's this question, and maybe one of the best questions you can ever ask is, what is wise? What is wise? And so um, I want to give you two reasons why I think this is very important, okay? Because I don't think that this question, what is wise, is something that we necessarily ask ourselves a lot, right? We might think about what is right and what is wrong, but, but how many of us sit and ponder the idea of wisdom and what it means to be wise? It just doesn't happen very often. And so I want to give you two reasons why I think this is very important. The first one is cultural, okay? And this is about morality, and it's about the state of morals in in our country, right? And this is a recent poll done by Gallup, and it says that 50% of Americans, okay, not Christians, 50% of Americans state that the moral values in our culture are poor, and only 37% say that they're fair, which leaves a very, math people, that's 87, so 13%, 13% think we're doing okay? You know, that's not a very big number, right? Okay, 78% think that moral values in the U.S. continue to decline, continue to get worse, which, by the way, is basically the story of Revelation, okay? Um, Consideration of others is cited as the top problem, within the state of moral values. So it's not like the pandemic exposed one core key thing that people all rallied behind. It's this idea that how do I treat other people was at the center of those problems. See, culturally, and when you understand the state of the the larger culture and and who we are and, and what we're promoting in this world, understand as Christians in today's world, this is the world that we live in, so we're both influenced by this, we're also trying to engage it. So the question of wisdom is incredibly important. How do we navigate through the midst of life in the midst of these types of things? Does that make sense? Okay, so the first one is cultural. The second one is the idea of character, right? And I want you to just wrestle this for a second. Every single decision that you make Every single decision that you make is, is changing you, right? And you are either getting more wise or more foolish. Every single decision you make, right, your, your character is being formed. And so here's what I think is significant in that, right, is that when you think about this, like we're all on a journey, right? Every single one of us is on a journey. And at the end of the journey is not just a place, it's a state of being, Right? It's a character that's being developed. And so what we need to know and understand about the God of the Scripture is that he is not just concerned about where you spend eternity. He's also deeply concerned with the person that you are becoming right now. And wisdom then plays a huge part in how I learn to navigate. Because for many of us, and, and maybe this is you, because I know that at times in my life I thought, gosh, I've got to make this decision, but does it really even matter what kind of a decision I make. 
And the question of if we're talking about wisdom, then it does. Because my character is being shaped and formed with each of those things. And so as we jump into the book of Proverbs, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles, right, with me to Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to be in just in the, the very first seven verses, okay? Uh, and for the rest of the summer, we're going to be looking at kind of some more topical things throughout the rest of the book that help us wrestle with just how to do practical living in this life. But Today, I want to give us an introduction to the book of Proverbs that helps us understand where, like, knowledge really begins, okay? What's the one thing we need to know moving into the rest of the summer, okay? So here we go. Uh, Verse 1. We're going to start with the title. Just look at verse 1 here, right? The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, Okay, so who's Solomon? Solomon is David's son who, right, was king of Israel. It was Saul before him. So here's what's, you know, unique. And if you know your king's history, Solomon was the last king to rule over all of Israel before the nation split into two and everything just kind of began to spiral down. Okay, so you've got Right, Saul, then David, and then Solomon. And Solomon, and I have a passage here, but I'm not going to read it just for sake of time, okay? But if you go back, you can read the story in 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. And what you'll see is that Solomon, when he's entering into the kingship, when he's entering into this, to this throne position, what happens is that Solomon acknowledges how great and vast the number of people of Israel are. He's like, man, there's so many people for me to rule over. There's so many, thousands upon thousands, millions of people that he is called to rule over, right? And he realizes the complexity of this scenario, right? The, the difficulty of what he's jumping into. And so his, what he acknowledges before God is he says, but I am only a child, He says, I do not know how to come in. I do not know how to go out. He says, I don't understand. Like, I don't have the experience to lead this group of people. And so as God shows up and says, then what is it that you want? You would be tempted. You would think that a person in that position would be tempted to choose power or to choose money. And yet Solomon, in his humility as a young child, said, here's what I want. I want wisdom. Because that's the way that I'm going to lead. And that's how I need to lead. And God ultimately blesses him and Solomon becomes known as the wisest man in all of the earth. And it's a pretty cool cool story to watch unfold, right? And so Solomon then, as as he's growing in his years, what he wants to do is that he wants to pass that same knowledge down, that, that wisdom that he has learned from life, to pass them down to the next generation. And he does it in this little tiny thing called a proverb. And proverbs then, is a book or a collection of all of the different Proverbs that Solomon then wrote. And so you go, okay, what is a proverb? Well, if you think in English, it's, it's this short, pithy statement that's really rooted kind of in these horizontal, like, cultural values. So, like, for, for uh, just for simple sake, like, like, look before you leap, right? Simple, practical, which I should have done before I went to the cliff, right? Um, but, right, look before you leap. And it's, it's, in its simplest form, it's, it's a statement or a practical truth that's defined by human terms within a culture, okay? 
But in contrast, Hebrew proverb is different because it doesn't have value to the rest of the world. It has value to a certain group of people, and those are the type of people that are defined as this, those who fear the Lord. And so it's not about the horizontal, it's about this vertical. As I enter into life and in the mess of any circumstance or or situation, what I'm looking for is how do I engage in the relationship with the Father to help me navigate and steer my way through life. Uh, If you remember um, parables, right, parables in the New Testament, Jesus did these a lot and there's these kind of condensed like stories that Jesus would use to, to, to engage the mind and the heart of the listener, right? And so as Jesus would, he very rarely gave answers and he would give them these parables and they would walk away like, huh? <laughs> you know, like what just happened? But they're pondering and questioning and thinking about how does this apply to my life? A proverb is like an Old Testament, like a bite-sized, minuscule, teeny tiny Old Testament parable. It's like a story wrapped into two sentences. And so then for us as readers then, as we think about life and its circumstances, and you could read through the book of Proverbs, and there's Proverbs for all sorts of things, all sorts of life circumstances, and what we do is we take these and we chew on them, right? And we, and we kind of digest them and go, gosh, okay, what does this really mean and how does this ultimately apply to my life? How does this affect how I steer and navigate through the messiness, ultimately, of life? And what makes Proverbs so powerful, as opposed to human Proverbs, is that they are connected and tied to the nature and the character of God, right? That's what makes these so powerful. It's these these tidbit, bite-sized pieces of knowledge to live by when there are no simple answers in life. And that's what we oftentimes want. We want simple answers, and yet that's not the way that life typically unfolds, right? Because when we think of knowledge, we think of the idea of right versus wrong, concrete, black versus white, and yet we find that much of life I can't live by simple rules. And wisdom demands that we navigate between these things. So for sake of illustration, we've got these buckets that I borrowed, guess from where? Children's ministry because they're bright and colorful. I've got, I got, I've got three buckets here. Hopefully, okay. I've got uh, right, wrong, and question mark. Okay, so uh, here I've got with me a bag, and I just pulled a bunch of scraps out of our um, out of our shredder. Um, but this um, is somewhat analogous, I think, to um, everyday life situations, right? Like uh, this is the complexity of life. Right? There's just a, it's just a tangled mess of different things that happen in any given day, right? And, and so sometimes the things that we face in life are a matter of right and wrong. They're a matter of what's true and what is not true. So, for instance, um, how about this? There is, there is only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, right or wrong? Right. Good. There we go. Okay. I did this first service and everybody like responded. I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that. And, and then I was like, am I putting these in the right bucket? Because that would be disastrous if I did this opposite, right? Um, so other question, right? Somebody says, gosh, there are many ways to heaven, right or wrong? I was a little premature there. I'm just assuming you guys got that, right? Second question, right? Um, salvation is a gift that is given to us that is to be received by grace through faith, right or wrong? Okay. Uh, the way into heaven is to be better than everybody else or just to be better than the worst person? Wrong. 
right, right, wrong, <laughs> right? Now I'm confused. Um, so there's these, all these things that when we look at this, there's this right and there's these wrong categories. There's what's true and then there's what's not true, right, about the, about the world, the way that we think that the world operates because of the way that we understand and interpret Scripture, right? Um, and if you were here this last week, you might remember we finished a series called um, That We May Be One, and it was out of John 17. And one of the things that Dale said last week was that we need to be, as, as a group of Christians, as a body of Christians, as a church, we need, to be, we need to have oneness in our message, right? That we have oneness in our message. So here's, here's what I want to tell you, right? Is that oneness in our message involves this bucket right here. Because we, in, in our denomination, if you don't know, it's called the Evangelical Free Church of America, we have this phrase, it's called the significance of silence, which means that we believe that there are essentials that one must really believe and believe to be true in order to be saved, and it's primarily salvation issues, right? Right, right here, right? But there are a whole host of other things that might go into a question of debate, right? And so what they're saying is that, is that we will believe that these things are one and we need to be united and one in this message, but there's a lot of other things that are non-essentials that we will discuss and we will debate, but we will not divide over, right? So for instance, maybe one is the age of the earth. Is it, is it 10,000 years or is it 10 billion? You're right, okay? There's humility in that. Like we just, we, we, can, we can think that we know, right? And we can take a stance on that and say, this is what I believe, but we with humility say, but the reality is I could be wrong in that, right? Um, how about the, uh, the end times, your view of the end times? Will there be a thousand literal reign of Jesus or will it be a figurative reign through the church, right? So we, we have this tendency, we, we, we need to acknowledge what are the non-essentials that go into this bucket, right? And then we believe, though, that these are true, but this is what it means to be one in our message. And the problem is, is that our oneness is broken when we try to take these things and put them in this bucket. Because then what we end up doing is that we end up fighting for unity in essentials and non-essentials, which gives us more things to not be united in doesn't it? And so what we have to do is we need to be cautious. I don't know how many I put in there, so there might be some wrong ones in there, right? Um, we need to be cautious about the oneness of our message, because what we would say is that this is what we believe is true about salvation, okay? But here's, here's the reality, is that these buckets don't necessarily um, help us as things happen in life, as circumstances unfold, as life unfolds, that don't fit into either of these buckets. Should I go to this college or that college? Is that a right or a wrong? Probably not, right? Uh, how much money should we spend on going out to eat? Is there a right or wrong there? So what we have to do is we have to, by the way, my, my wife's question would be how much money do you spend on golf? Right? That's a fair question, right? Um, but then you have to ask this question. It's not about a question of question mark. It's about what is wise. And that's what Proverbs is ultimately doing. So as we think through life's circumstances, right, is it wise, um, which, by the way, like you could say, like, is it wise for someone who struggles with alcoholism to keep going to the bar? Probably not. Is it, is it wise for someone who struggles with pornography to keep secluding themselves in the basement with their phone? Probably not, right? But there's these other questions, too, about, like, uh, if, say, you're a parent of kids, and you go, gosh, should we homeschool our kids? Should we send them to public school? Should we send them to Christian school? And as everybody has 
these opinions about which side. And the reality is, is that there isn't a right or a wrong answer. There is a wise decision, though. And maybe it's one kid needs to go to public school, and the other kid needs to go to Christian school, and another kid needs to go to homeschool. I don't know. You know, but it's a question of what ultimately is wise in the world. Goodness, that like, legit scared me. Okay, I'm going to put these down. We think about this, right? So what is wise uh, in, uh, in this world, right? That's kind of where we're at. Um, and when you, when you think uh, about this, when you think about um, life, here's where I think it gets kind of dangerous is because sin can enter into life. And what's it going to pose as? If Satan enters in with a deception, what is he going to say? This is good or this is really wise, isn't it? I mean, that's ultimately what he's going to say. I'm just trying to figure out if there's any other spot that this could be. Right? What is, he's going to say, this is wise, this is good. And so that's why it's super important for us as Christians to remember that when we're talking about what is wise, wisdom is rooted in truth. And so it doesn't mean just never touch the Bible. It's like our cave time is so important. Do not give up on your cave time because wisdom stems from truth, right? And where do we find truth about who God is? Right here. This is super important, so never give up on this. Keep this close to you, because not only will it make you like, knowledgeable of your creator, it will make you wise as he invites you to walk and navigate through the messiness of this world, right? But it's not just this. Okay, so we think about the title. You got this title, but I'm going to walk through these goals really quickly, okay? Look at this in verses 2 through 6. He says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Okay, let's come back to... Um, our trusty board here, and walk through these rather quickly. So we did the title, right? Uh, and here we come into these goals, right? This is what Solomon ultimately wants to accomplish as he's passing this, this information uh, along. And if you'll notice, each of those goals begins with the word to, right? You could substitute in order that or so that. It's really this purpose-driven thing, right? He's passing on knowledge in order to accomplish these things. And the first one he says, right, about wisdom and instruction, he says, I want you to know wisdom and, and knowledge, right? This idea of know in Hebrew um, is, is, is really this idea of knowing through experience, right? As I go through life and as I learn up here, but it gets applied into my heart, I'm learning through my experience, okay? But here's what he says. This is, this is the, these modifiers, right? And what I want to know, wisdom, first and foremost. How do you know wisdom? Isn't that kind of a strange thing to ponder? When you look back in in the rest of the Old Testament, another way this can be translated is actually the idea of beauty, which is really cool, right? And so it's like Solomon, as the author, as he's writing this, one of the things that he wants you to know, for us to know as readers, is that when you meet somebody in life who really understands the way that life really works, and they use wisdom to navigate the difficulties of that, as you watch that, there's something beautiful about it. And it draws you to that person, doesn't it, right? And it's like, it's like a work of art that's being painted in front of you, right? And so there's beauty. He says, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know wisdom. 
But here's the question, is if, if wisdom is such an attractive thing, if it's so desirable, why don't more people gravitate towards it? And it's because this word, <laughs> instruction. You might think like you just read a textbook. Nope, this means discipline, right? This means discipline. I hate to say it, but we, you and I, guys, we are not born wise. And we learn the hard way. Oftentimes, it was C.S. Lewis who once said that, or at least paraphrased, that, that the path to wisdom is through the valley of humiliation, right? It's this lifelong journey that we learn the hard way. As discipline enters into our life, we have to wrestle with that. But as this goes to show, he, he pulls the same word and he brings it down here into goal too. Because it's not enough to know it, one must what? What? receive it, right? And so what he's doing is he's painting this, this stark contrast. He says, guys, it's, it's one thing to know something. It's another thing to let it penetrate you and to, know your, and to become part of your heart and to allow yourself to receive it so that it would actually changes how you live. This is, this is one of the hardest things in life, isn't it? It's easy to know things. It's easy to seek after knowledge. It's a totally other thing to let it change your life right? So we have to receive it. The next one here, he shifts to uh, the teacher's perspective. So these two are actually from the student's perspective, but here it's the teacher. And he says, here's what I want to do. I want to give prudence, right? And so he's talking about this idea, like he's passing on this idea of shrewdness, but who is he passing it to? He calls these people simple people, Right? Now, this can, be, this can be positive or negative. In a positive sense, here's what it means. Simple means open-minded. It's this acknowledgement, that um, it's this humble acknowledgement that I do not have all of the information. I do not have all of the wisdom. I have a limited amount of experience, right? Um, I, I don't know how to do that. Kind of like Solomon, as he says, I'm only a child. It's this open-mindedness, ultimately, to who God is and to see God as the final resting figure in our lives, right? But negatively, this can also be naive, foolish, easily tricked, easily deceived, and if you, go, if you read that, if you read this negative, if you read it positively, you're like, okay, that makes sense, right? But if you read this negatively, you scoff at this. Uh-uh. Pride kicks in really quick, doesn't it? Because like, that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want to be. And so here's what I want you to know, is that when it comes to wisdom, and as we engage in this series, and as we think about how life works and how we engage in it, your best ally is humility, Humility. I love in 1 Peter 5, 5, when, when, when Peter says this, he says, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And you would think that he would just jump, you know, as he goes on, you would think he would just jump to his last goal. Uh, the reality is, is that he, he doesn't. Uh, and this is, this is what he does. He actually inserts something here in verse 5. Uh, in verse 5, um, says something to those who are already wise. He says, for those of you who are already wise, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep learning. Keep growing in your wisdom and your discernment. Why? Because I think that when you're reading this book, it's easy for us to read the intro to this book and go, this is for silly young people. 
This is for people who don't have life figured out, so you go read it. And what he's saying is like, nope, this is not about that. It's not about age. It's not about anything. It's about anybody who would acknowledge that the path never finishes. So if you've met somebody in life who claims to be wise and yet says, and yet kind of has this appearance that they have it figured out and that they're no longer growing, beware of this person. Because wisdom never ends, and it's continuously changing and growing us as people. It's for all ages, right? And so what, what Solomon is actually doing is he's painting this picture in this space of young people and old people, a multi-generational group of people, a multi-ethnic group of people who are willing to, to link arms together and to grow in wisdom and to walk wisely in the midst of the chaos of the world. It's this beautiful picture even of the New Testament church. And his last one is this, to understand, right, a proverb. And so what he does is he kind of ends with this general statement about um, how Solomon realizes that he's just one man among many. And so there's even humility in that. And he says, as you move through life, you're going to find other places where proverbs are going to come out, where more wisdom will happen, and I want you to be able to engage in those things, okay? But here's the deal. As you look at this whole thing, you've got knowledge, you've got receiving, you've got giving, you've got understanding, you've got, um, oh gosh, now I'm even forgetting what all those are backwards and upside down, right? You've got all of these words. You've got all of these words, and in Hebrew, there's very few words that are the same. Instruction, instruction, right? And everything else here is different. And so what it goes to show as you look at this, it's like it kind of grows into this massive conglomerate, and you begin to see the enormity and the complexity of the situation. Like, how often do we need wisdom in this life? I mean, it's like all the time, moment by moment, we need wisdom. And so it's like, if we're a reader, you go, okay, God, I get it. There's so much out there every single day for me to try and figure out when there's no simple answers, when right and wrong doesn't cut it, how do I make a decision? Would you just, would you boil it down for me? He's like, sure, here's what I'll do. I'll give you the entire book of Proverbs in a single drop. It's verse seven. He says, if this is what you need to know, remember this through the rest of the series. Remember this through the summer. You're going to hear us repeat this phrase over and over and over. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? And fools despise wisdom, and instruction. That's what we're going to keep coming back to over and over and over. You know, I was sitting in a car once when I was in college, and I was reminded of this this, this week when I was thinking about it, the fear of the Lord, and there's these two, two groups of people, and they were debating what the fear of the Lord means, right? And one group was saying, well, fear is just as it sounds. It's like you tremble and you shake because God is powerful. It's a scary thing. And the other group was saying, no, it's about reverence and holiness and amazingness, right? And it's like there's these two things. And, and the reality is, is that I think that it's in some sense both. 
right? Because they work together. And if you remember, uh, you may not, if you can go all the way back to 1 Kings, and you can do this on your own time, 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, there's this moment with this guy named Elijah, and he has all of this uncertainty in his life, and he flees like 500 miles south down to this tiny little cave, and God shows up, right? And what he does is that there's this massive fire and this massive wind, and there's this massive earthquake, and he shakes the whole mountain, and it says, though, at the end, but then that God spoke in a small, soft whisper. And you see, I, I think, and you can disagree, but I think that part of what's happening here, because in that setting with Elijah, God shows up and reveals his name, which is, which is shown in our translations by the capital L-O-R-D, and it stands for Yahweh, and that's where God shows up with Elijah and says, here's the deal, I am who I am, I will be who I will be, I will do what I will do. And I think when I see this, it's like Solomon's inviting us back to the front of that cave, so whenever, whatever circumstances are in your life, whenever there's uncertainty and you're looking for knowledge and you're trying to figure out how do I navigate through this, it's like you enter to the front of the cave and you are reminded that this is the God who shakes the earth but speaks in a soft whisper. You see, the fear of the Lord, I think, in its most basic sense is this, am I in a positive sense, simple. Am I open to God in my life? Am I open to him and what he wants for me in this world? The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And I'm gonna give you this, and as I wrap up and finish up, this is a simple, I mean, this is kind of a strange thing, and you can take it or leave it. It's a bit of a deep dive, but as we jump into Proverbs, if you're gonna be looking at Proverbs on your own, if you're gonna be studying them, I think that this will be helpful, because much of Proverbs is built into this form of poetry that we call parallelism, which means that the author uses the sentence, and then he uses a second sentence to define or clarify what he meant by his first sentence. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, okay? Well, if that's true, then what do we learn down here? The key word here is this idea of despise. Because to despise is to have this emotional contempt and shut-offness to who God is and what he wants in the world. Notice how this takes us all the way back to the verse one that talks about knowledge, right? Verse two, right? All of this knowledge to know, right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to know God. The knowing God, though, starts with the fear of God, the beginning of knowledge, right? And so we despise, then that's that's where we're going to shut ourselves off ultimately to God. And so then the fear of the Lord at its most basic sense is an openness to him. And we as people need a posture of humility that acknowledges our simplicity as humans and our need for him and our need for instruction. Hear this from, if you don't listen to me, hear this from C.S. Lewis. In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. 
As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. It's just one man in history. There's another man in history by the name of Descartes who in his search for understanding and knowledge of the world did not believe in God, started with the one thing that he thought that he knew himself. His deduction, I think, therefore I am. That has become the foundation for modern thought for the last 300 years. And it says the beginning of knowledge is where? Right here. The Bible flips that on its head. Proverbs flips that on its head. It says that the beginning of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You want to know about life? Start with the guy who made it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And you look at Jesus, he ultimately is the final say in this, right? Like he reverses, he reverses the whole story and he flips and inverts the story back to the way that we are designed to have right relationship and it's through his life and through his death and through his resurrection that he creates this new realism, this new opportunity in space for us to find true, real knowledge that is connected to all of the world. And we see world's knowledge through our understanding of who God ultimately is. And here's what I want to leave you with, guys, is that the gospel is this. When you think about it, the gospel, who Jesus is, what he came to accomplish, and what he says is true about you and this life, that is the new wisdom. That is the thing that can be at the center of every single moment, every single circumstance. As you navigate through life, you say, what does the gospel demand of me today? What does the gospel demand of me in this moment, right now, in this circumstance, and that will help you? I want to read from Colossians 4. This is what it says. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. But notice what he says next. Here's what he's saying. This is the new wisdom. This is how the gospel changes us and interacts with us in this life. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. As you leave this week, I wanna give you three things. First one is this, because just remember that when we come on Sundays, we never want just to be a sponge and just learn. We go, what do I need to take with me? What do I need to apply as I go? And this first one is this. It's a humble question because I know we all struggle with it. How's your cave time right now? Because if we're talking about wisdom and how to navigate the difficulties of this life in any, whatever situation is in front of you, wisdom is rooted in this. So keep it close to your heart. Second one. This is just a reflection question. Is your life characterized by the gospel? And I don't mean this to be a yes or no question. Don't just answer it yes or no. Think about it. Meditate on it, right? Is my life characterized by the gospel? Do I speak seasoned with salt? Do I make the best use of my time? Am I wise in my living? Is really, is the fear of the Lord driving me? And the last one is this. One of the things I like to say and challenge with people all the time because I love discipleship is this idea of hand up, hand down, and it's this. Who in your life right now do you have your hand up to that's helping you follow Jesus? And vice versa, who do you have your hand down to 
that you are helping follow Jesus because this is about the transference of a way of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we wrap up this morning, as the worship team comes up and as we sing a final song, and Lord, I just ask, just with full humility, that you would take us to the take us to the cave, and that in front of the cave that we would see the cross in front of us and be reminded of who Jesus was, uh, is, and what he came to earth to do, and this missional mindset to be sent, right, on our behalf. And Lord, I pray that you would just inspire inside of us a fear of the Lord, that we would be a people who are seasoned with salt, our words are seasoned with salt that we make the best use of our time. And may we fear you, and we walk humbly with you. In your name we pray, amen.